Hallelujah. Has it ever occurred to us before that on this very day, I used to say history was redefined, but I've changed that. History was not redefined, history was born. Whatever has been in existence before the very day like this, on this very day, it was the commencement of the true history of man. The Bible speaks of two Adams, the first Adam and the last Adam. The first Adam was a reflection of the Father. I'm going to get there tonight. And the last Adam, the Bible says, is the express image of the Father. Hebrews chapter 1. So human history became revolutionized about 2,000 years plus ago. You know what happened 2,000 plus years ago? The unspeakable, the unthinkable, the unprecedented happened. The unspeakable, the unthinkable, the unprecedented happened. As I said, it was the beginning of history. This man, Jesus, his birth was unprecedented, the scripture tells us. Isaiah chapter 9. And a virgin shall conceive, never has he ever been in the history of man. And never has it been repeated after that, that a virgin will conceive. Whatever you see today by science is still a man-made conception. Do we agree with that? But his conception was unprecedented. Never was a virgin ever will ever be pregnant without the impact or the input of a man. Without the seed of a man, no woman can be conceived, neither can bear a child. But the birth of this Jesus was strange to the world. Conceived by a virgin. May I drive it in a little bit tonight? He was not only conceived by a virgin, he was born to die. Everyone is born in hope to live. Correct? Everyone is born in hope to live. But he was born to die. His life was on a schedule. Every day in Jesus' life was on a schedule. At 12, he was reasoning with the doctors of law. They were amazed at the wisdom of Jesus. His parents could not understand his desire to interact with the intellectual because his mind was too higher than his body. His, mind, his body was so little for a 12-year-old. How many 12-year-olds are here? Who is a 12-year-old here? Any 12-year-old? Or close to 12? How old are you? Nine. 
any 11-year-old any or 13-year-old. There you have it. Jesus was 12. You were older than 12, right? And yet, his mind was as sound like every other professor of law you could imagine. At 12. At 30. But between 12 and 30, he became a recluse. There was no record of what happened in the life of Jesus that we have read. Do we see it? No record. He became a recluse. His life was on a silent mode. But at 30, he appeared and went straight to Jordan to be baptized by John. At 30, Jesus came openly to be baptized and the very purpose of God for coming to the world took off. I said it here, took off on the wheel. It was brought before the jury, yet he refused to defend himself. We will see it tonight. Everyone before the jury, everyone in court will either defend themselves or hire somebody to defend themselves. Jesus was queried a number of times, but he refused to speak. Not for want of words. Not for want of knowledge. Not for the ability to defend himself. But because of you and me, he refused to open his mouth. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53, it was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he opened not his mouth. He did not defend himself. He is the only one in history that I know of today that died and on the third day, emerged from the grave. Leaving behind the graveyard clothes, emerged in victory. Emerged in honor and power. He's the only one in history that has ever done that. This man, Jesus, presented to you tonight, Jesus of Nazareth, is risen. They said to the disciples, he is not here, he's risen. The word reason means he's no more bound. He's not what can be kept down. You can no more confine him. He's beyond restriction now. He's risen. I want to say to you tonight, because Jesus is risen, whatever has kept us down is broken completely because from tonight, the Lord is releasing into your life the power of resurrection. You can no more be confined. You can no more be restricted because our master has risen. Before his death, before Jesus appeared on the scene, I believe, that the reign and the dominion of sin was so strong that human being became captive to the dominion and the power of sin. 
But tonight I'm glad to announce to us on such a day like this, the power, the dominion, the rulership, and the reign of sin ended. On a day like this, the torment, the fear, and the rage of death came to an end. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible tells us in chapter 15, verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is your victory? Man born of a woman. God created a man in his own image. To have fellowship with him. I believe tonight God, man was God's man's workshop. Regionally created for pleasure, for fellowship, and to have a praise to God. Man was made in his image. The Bible tells us. And after his likeness. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26. Man was made in what? In God's image and after his likeness. Church, I want you to think with me tonight. I never thought this way before. But how many of us can just imagine yourself being an artist? What? And you're about to make an image of yourself. What is going to be going through your mind if you're about to design an image that's going to be you. Can we think about that? What are you going to think about? The best image. Everything that looks imperfect will be well taken care of. Because you know, this image represents me. It is me in a picture. Do we understand what was in the mind of God? That tells you your value tonight. That when God made you in his image and after his likeness. You know what was on his mind? He was making a perfect being. Not the being that will misrepresent him. Not a being that will be a disappointment to him. Not a being that will bring shame and reproach to him. No. God was making a being. That was being in his image. The Bible went further and after his likeness. Two things were discussed. The appearance and the mind. Do we get what I'm talking about? The image speaks of the appearance. The likeness means his mind will be exactly like mine. In other words, he will be able to think like me. That's who God made. But man, because of sin and disobedience, lost the position of grace and excellence and was driven into misery because of sin. Man was stripped of the presence of God. He was stripped of the honor of God. He was stripped of the glory of God. So much so when God came and asked Adam, where are you? When I heard your voice, I was afraid and I hid myself. A man made in the image of God. A man who was supposed to be a mirror of God. When God looks at him, God saw himself. In that man. No wonder Adam could stand up one day and name every creature on earth. Because it was an exact image of God. He wasn't taught to do it. He was made to do it. The instinct was in Adam to name every being, every animal. Because it was made after his likeness. His mind was after the mind of God. No wonder. First Corinthians chapter 2. The Bible says, for we have the mind of Christ. 
part of the things Jesus came to do was not only to restore our spirit, but also to make us think the way God thinks. Tonight, I want to pray for everyone in this place that from tonight, you will begin to think like God. That your spirit man is not only saved and delivered, your mind also is renewed. Day by day, that your thought and your mind is walking in the same direction like that of the Father. That's what Jesus came to do. So his mind became corrupted. No wonder the Bible says the thought of the heart of man was evil every day. In Genesis chapter 6. Now based on all this destruction, the Bible tells us that Adam, God called Adam, shut the door of Eden and made an apron. Adam made an apron for himself. But God said, that's not what you need. God covered him up with the cover of a lamb, which was a symbol of the blood. But the symbol of the blood of the lamb that we saw was a reflection of what was supposed to come. Tonight I want us to understand that something that God did was just a temporary arrangement to bring man out of his difficult position to give him a place in his presence. Tonight I wanted to join with me in the scripture as I go further tonight. Tonight I want to tell you something. I understand by revelation now how religion or religions were born. Please, I want you to listen to me tonight. Every man born of a woman, every man born into this world has a place in them as part of the creation that God made to seek after their maker. I want you to listen to me. There is an instinct in man that looks for something greater than himself to worship. And so, man, in an attempt to reconcile with God, began to do things, reaching out with hard work to reconcile himself with his maker. I believe this is what gave birth to many of the religions. Many of them had good intents. They wanted to worship something beyond them. Many of us who have read the story of the, of the exit of Israel from Egypt on their way to Canaan. These were a group of people that God led by a strong hand. They saw divine miracles. They saw God destroying the powers of darkness in, e or in Egypt. They saw God moving sovereignly, showing Pharaoh how strong and how powerful he is. And you know what happened? When Moses went to the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights to seek God, man, because of his nature, decided to make another God for himself. Is that not true? They decided to worship an image because in man is a desire to worship something greater than himself. Do we understand it? The same way today, every many religion that we know, think about them. Look through their beliefs. I've read through a couple of them. All is in an attempt of hard work to reach out to God. But I pray tonight that the eyes of many of them will open. That the desire to reach out to God was what gave birth to John 3.16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Let me take us through scriptures tonight. Prophecies of things that were spoken about Jesus and how they came to pass. Are we ready with our pen? I'm going to read them out one by one tonight. Every prophecy about Jesus became a reality. Let's turn our Bible if you have it or if you can write it down. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, the Bible prophesied that Jesus is going to be the seed of the woman. Is that correct, church? In Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, it was fulfilled. Jesus was the seed of the woman. In Genesis chapter 12 verse 3, it was said that Jesus was going to be the seed of Abraham. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1, it came from the lineage of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17 verse 19, he is said to be the seed of Isaac. In Luke chapter 3 verse 34, it was fulfilled as part of the lineage of Isaac. In Genesis chapter 49 verse 10, and in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, he was to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. In Luke chapter 3, verse 33, it was fulfilled. In Hosea, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, he shall be born of a virgin. In Luke chapter 2, verse 24, it was fulfilled. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, he was to be born, he was to be taken out of Israel, out of Jerusalem to Egypt. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 15, it was fulfilled. In Psalm 78, verse 2, he was to speak in parables. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 34, many of his disciples came to him, Master, why do you speak in miracles, in parables to us? In Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the good tidings, to heal the brokenhearted. He was taught to heal the brokenhearted in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Bible says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your eyes. That indeed, having sent the Spirit of our God is upon me. Having said to heal the brokenhearted. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. In Isaiah chapter 53 verse, verse 3. The Bible says he was rejected of man. A man of sorrow is God. Meanwhile, in John chapter 1 verse 11. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. In Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7, he was to be silenced before his accusers. In Mark chapter 15 verse 5, the Bible tells us he was accused and he did not reply. He said nothing. In Psalm 22 verse 1, he was to be forsaken of his father. My father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? In Matthew 27 verse 60, he was forsaken of his father. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9, he was laid in the tomb. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 60, he was laid in the tomb. And this is all we read. And that's all we saw in most parts of the scriptures. That every prophecy given about Jesus became fulfilled. And I mentioned to us, the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And in this scripture, 
The devil thought it all over. We got him now. No wonder First Corinthians chapter one was chapter two was written. The prince, if the prince of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because the thought in the mind of the enemy, if I can get him to be in the tomb, I'm okay. He's defeated. The plan of salvation is destroyed. But guess what happened? There is another prophecy in Psalms 44. And I'm going to read. Sorry, Psalm 49. That's the psalm I was waiting for. In Psalm 49, I'm going to read that prophecy that was said in Psalm 49. And I want us to listen. In Psalm 49, verse 15, let me read from verse 14. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Dead shall feed on them. The oppressed shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall be consumed in the grave, far from their dwellings. But verse 15, but God will redeem my soul. Do we see it? From the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. That's one prophecy the enemy did not see. I'm sure if the devil had seen that. He wouldn't have bothered to crucify him because the Bible says here, for God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. And the scripture tells us in Mark chapter 16, verse 6, who do you seek? The, the women came, and, Jesus, and, the, and the angel said to the women, he is not here, he's risen. Do not seek the living among the dead. He is not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. Do not seek the dead. Do not seek the living among the dead. He is no more here. Whom do you seek? So Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was where prophesied. It was laid down in the scripture as a fulfillment of all that God intended to do. Tonight, I'm just going to bring to us before we close tonight. I have divided tonight's sharing, which I called... He is not here, he's risen. Into three sections. Number one, Christ's journey to the cross. That's number one. Number two, Christ on the cross. And number three, Christ after the cross. I'm just going to say one more time. Christ's journey to the cross. Number two, Christ on the cross. And number three, Christ after the cross. Can we go together with me tonight to Matthew chapter 26? I'm just going to trace in a little while the journey of Jesus to the cross. Matthew chapter 26. If you're there with me, say amen. Christ's journey to the cross. Everything we see about the Christ's journey to the cross, I want us to pay attention to it. Hallelujah. I want us to pay attention to every word, every part of this scripture. Because they are significant to our lives. They are significant to our days as believers. Christ's journey to the cross in Matthew chapter 26 verse 47. The Bible declares in verse 47, this is what the scripture says. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve with a great multitude with swords and club, came from chief priests. And elders of the people, now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whoever I kiss is the one. Seize him. Tonight, I want to say to us, Christ's journey to the cross is critical. You know what Jesus suffered on his way to the cross? He was betrayed. It was a betrayer. Betrayer. 
He was betrayed by the inner circle. Jesus was betrayed by the inner circle of friends, supposedly. <laughs> Jesus was hurt emotionally. How many of us have been disappointed by friends before? Are we here tonight? How many of us have been disappointed by the closest power before? How many of us have been hurt by the people you depended upon? How many of us have felt we needed to be vulnerable? That yet you will be supported. Yet Jesus was betrayed by the closest of friends. I want to say to you tonight, maybe you have been betrayed. Do not lose heart. Jesus was betrayed. Maybe you have been let down. Don't hold it on them. Jesus was betrayed. Maybe you will remember now what he said on the cross. Father, forgive them. You think he was talking about those who nailed him? No. He was also talking about him who betrayed him. Father, forgive them. Because those who nailed Jesus, those who took him to the cross, it's not only those who nailed him. As a matter of fact, most of them who nailed him were naive. They were only obeying others. They were soldiers. They were only doing what they were asked and commanded to do. They were doing their job. Jesus was betrayed. How many of us in church today are standing and we're hurt and we're unforgiving because somebody betrayed you? The closest of friends, Jesus, was betrayed. But it was on his way to the cross. Number two. <laughs> I'm sorry before leaving that place. It wasn't just enough that Jesus was betrayed. May I tell us something tonight? Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. It isn't just he was betrayed. He was betrayed for such a low amount. How many of you have ever felt that way that your worth was being compromised? Is that the value of Jesus? Was that the value of the Son of God? Is that the value of a life came, sent from the portals of glory? Thorny pieces of silver that could easily be paid as a wage. Jesus was betrayed. So derogatorily treated. Despised. No wonder Isaiah chapter 53. Despised of men. The despise was not just that they spat on him. The despise was the worth they placed on him. The worth of Jesus was only 30 pieces of silver. Many of us who are living in this country will understand when somebody is missing. How much do you think they place on them? But they only place 30 pieces of silver on Jesus. How derogatory that was. Number two. Jesus, <laughs> on the way to the cross, was denied by the proposed leader of the movement that he led. Jesus was denied by the proposed, you know, you know, supposedly, the leader of the movement that he himself instituted. And you know what was so interesting about this story? Jesus was denied before girls, little girls. Peter was accosted by a little girl and said, Oh, I remember your face. You were one of them. Peter said, Me? No, I'm not one of them. I'm not part of it. I never knew him. Jesus denied. Maybe you're here tonight, you have suffered rejection, and you're feeling bad about it. Many of us are in your company tonight. 
We've been there. Rejection hurts. Rejection doesn't only affect you emotionally. It also tries, it, it also ostracizes you. Jesus, but the closest friend, was denied. I don't know him. I never met him before. It would have been okay if it was one time. Second time. And on the third time before the crowd, I don't know him. And Jesus looked at him. The Bible said, and the cock crow. Announcing the hand of the power of rejection. Man. If I was rejected, rejection has no power over you. I'm telling you tonight. If I was rejected, rejection has no power over you. Secondly, Jesus wanted us to know, do not depend on man. For vain is the help and the trust of man. The best of men are men at their best. I want us to understand that tonight. That the implication of the cross is not just we clap our hands, it's resurrection. Day, but what happened? Jesus was denied. Rejected. <laughs> he was not only denied three times. In fact, Peter cursed. The Bible said he cursed and swore. You know what you need to swear? The Bible said, thou shalt not swear by other things. God deliberately gave a law that he should not swear. But Peter cursed and swore. Don't know him. Close his eyes and never met him. Nothing can be so damaging like that. But Jesus took it. I'm going to tell us one more time tonight. In Luke, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, one of the things that Jesus experienced on his way to the cross was that Jesus called the closest of friends and said, I believe in you. You're my closest friend. You will be with me through the thick and the thin. I've heard many people say that. But don't say that anymore. These people went with Jesus. They had intentions. They had the will. They had the desire. They got to get mind. They were about to pray. This man could not engage in the same pain like Jesus engaged in. They could not bear the burden that Jesus was carrying. So when they got to get mind, Jesus, after a while, came back to look at where they were. They were fast asleep. Jesus, you could not even wait with me for one hour. How many of us have hired prayer partners before? <laughs> Had me pray for me. Jesus said, I became lonely. In my grief, I became lonely. In my anticipation of horror, I was all by myself. Maybe you're all by yourself tonight. You've been abandoned by the closest of friends. You thought they were with you. But alas, they were not there. After all, loneliness. Jesus went through it. He was all alone by himself. All on the way to the cross. I want us to pay attention to this tonight. All on the way to the cross. Number three. Uh, number four. This is very derogatory, but I'm going to say it. Matthew 26, 57. Jesus was brought before the cyan dream, and he was harassed terribly. His identity was attacked. You said that you are the son of God. You said that you would destroy this temple and you would rebuild it in three days. 
And the Bible says, and false witnesses came and said things that Jesus never, never defended. He was harassed. False witnesses came to Jesus against him before the whole. His identity was mad. Number five, Matthew 26, 27. He was mocked and humiliated. The Bible tells me this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Verse two. I want us to listen to me together. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus despised the shame. Jesus endured the cross. He was mocked by the least of all men. Jesus took it all on his way to the cross. May I say this to you tonight? Are you lonely? Are you being reproached? Are you being rejected? Are you being betrayed? Jesus took care of it on his way to the cross. I want to say it again. Jesus took care of it on his way to the cross. He took care of your loneliness. He took care of your rejection. He took care of your betrayal. He took care of the, the malignment of your image. And to be honest with you, church, don't expect men to say good things about you when you're not there. The expectation makes us to have for security. Always stand by what he said to you. Am I, are we listening tonight? The man, the closest of men to you, may deny you. Jesus knew all of that. What happened on the cross? Let's go there together. We're familiar with all this. But let's go there together. Same Matthew 26. Jesus was brought to be killed. You know what happened? Jesus was nailed on the two hands. So I started by saying, Christ on the cross, number one, he endured the pain of nails. I want us to listen to that. He endured the pain of what? Of nails. How many of us tonight, I have been a victim of nail before. I have medical people. It's one of the worst pains in the world. I don't know why. Maybe some people we know. But it's one of the worst things that can happen to anybody. I had that one of my years in high school. I stepped on the nail backward. It came all the way to the top. And I remember the pain, no sleep for days. Everything in the water was applied, I couldn't sleep. The pain was terrible. But Jesus was not only nailed in the two hands, he was nailed in his legs. While he was nailed, they put a crown of thorn upon his head. The blood gushed out of his skull. The blood was coming from the two hands and from the two legs. As if that was not enough, one of the soldiers looked at him and said, it looks as if he's dead. Took a spear and hit him from the side. Punctured his side. And the blood and the water gushed out of his side. Jesus endured the pain on the cross. Number two. Jesus. This is probably more difficult than what I've just said now. This is probably the worst experience Jesus will ever have. Jesus was forsaken by his father. Jesus was what? Forsaken by his father. How many of us know that the greatest abandonment the world has ever experienced is for the father 
to abandon the son. And at this moment on the cross, Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me at the moment of my trial? Why, why, why? That fulfills Psalm 22, my father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus on the cross was forsaken. On the cross was left alone. I believe tonight that Jesus above all was forsaken by the father as he hung having the sin of the world on him. The father did not abandon the person of Jesus, but the sin that was, he was carrying. No wonder Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us, for he who knew no sin, I want us to listen, church, tonight. He who knew no sin did what? Became sin. He didn't commit sin, but he became sin. And the, far, the, the eyes of God does not behold iniquity. So Jesus, at that moment, took off the nature of sin so that in him sin can be destroyed. Hallelujah. In him sin can be what? The power of sin can be destroyed. And the penalty of sin can be destroyed. Because when there is sin, there has to be a penalty. And Jesus took up the nature of sin. For he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we may become the righteousness of God. The father forsaken. Number three. On the cross came one of the most profound sentences. Three words that the world has ever heard and the world will ever hear. It is finished. Ever say it is finished. It is finished. The pain is finished. The rejection is finished. The betrayer is finished. The attack is finished. The loneliness is finished. Jesus said it is finished. The hold of sin finally is destroyed. Now every attempt of lambs and animals that cover the sin for a while. The Bible says he has an unchangeable priesthood. He went into the holiest of all once and offered a sacrifice. He didn't need to go back year after year like every other priest. He did it once and for all. No wonder he said it is finished. It is finished. There is no need for redemption anymore. Redemption began and ended here. If anyone would know the Father, you must come through this door. No one, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It is finished. Let me quickly follow up tonight. Number three, Christ after the cross. How many of us know the concept of after the cross is not just only when they take him down. Immediately he gave up the Goes, the cross was over. The pile of cross was gone. But the Bible tells us immediately he gave up the ghost. The veil in the temple was torn apart. You know what that means to now get there? The veil in the temple was torn to, to the Bible. From top to bottom was torn. Every documentary about the, about the death of Jesus is important. The veil was torn into two. Meaning that everyone who was a Gentile that was kept outside of the court. They could not come into the holy place. Neither can they come to the holiest of all because of their background, because 
of their person or because of their call. Now, the middle wall of partition has been broken. The veil has been removed. Now, the God who has hidden behind the veil, the Bible says now is open to her. No more behind the veil. Now, we do not need any high priest that goes once a year. I want us to understand the concept of the veil. The veil was there so that an high priest once a year on the 10th day, on the 7th month, will go into the earliest of all and offer sacrifices with the blood in his hands and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat with the angels, with the cherubims on the mercy seat. On top of the mercy seat, each time the blood landed, it was a recovery for man. It was a, a propitiation for man. But now, the veil is removed. Meaning, we do not need an high priest anymore. The only high priest that was needed has gone. And now we have access to God. I'm going to tell us the implication of that in a moment. Number two. Number two. I saw this. How many of us have read verse 52 of that, of that passage? The Bible says, and there was an earthquake, and the rock split into two. I'm going to tell us the implication of that tonight. You know what that means? The power of creation was shaking. Hallelujah. The power of creation was shaking. Even the whole creation, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, waits for the, the groaning pain, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So it was not only man that felt the impact that Jesus, even the whole creation knew something has happened. And they responded the same way. Number three, something happened there. The Bible says, many of us have read this, that the graves were opened. <laughs> the graves were opened on that day which is symbolic of Jesus' victory over death. Dead men were walking. Dead men were talking. Dead men came to the city of Jerusalem. They were conversing with men, testifying of the power of Jesus over death. And this was in prophecy, Isaiah 6, 26. Let's read together. Let's read Isaiah 26 together. Isaiah 26, verse 19. How many of us would like it to be in a city and you see dead men walking? <laughs> they, were, they came out of the grave. This is not a tale. It happened. The saints of God came out of the graveyard. They were set free. They walked on the streets of Jerusalem, conversing, the Bible said, telling, testifying to people to prove and to disprove what the soldiers have said. Don't forget, the soldiers said, we slept and they stole him away. If a man is sleeping, how does he see who is stealing? They were sleeping and they knew that they were stolen. I don't know that kind of sleep. You were sleeping and you saw somebody stealing. The soldiers went to the city and said, look, Jesus was stolen by his disciples, but we were sleeping. And when Jesus here, the Bible says, the saints came out. Isaiah 26, can somebody read for me? Isaiah 26 verse 19. What does it say? Isaiah 26 verse 19. Hallelujah. 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 Do we see that scripture? Very powerful scripture. Isaiah 26, if you're not there, there, let's read together. It says here, like a sister read, it says in verse 19, your dead shall live. Hallelujah. It says, together with my dead bodies, they shall arise. Is that not what it says? Together with my dead body, they shall what? They shall arise. And you know what? We might not understand that tonight. That's why I'm going to be closing tonight. I want us to look at me. That is a symbol. 
of what is what happened and what's about to happen. When he will come. When he will appear in the sky. The Bible said the dead in Christ shall arise first. And those of us who are alive shall be quickened together with them in the sky. It's going to happen. It's happened before. It's just a pointer. It's just a prophecy in the making. That your body shall arise together with my body. In fact, the Bible tells us that the saints of God came to the city. Talking to people. Testifying. Of the glory of God. Many of us need to understand the power that was released on the day of resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. And the power of God was made available. The dead in Christ, those who have been bound, were losing. The hold of hell was broken. The enemy couldn't hold out to them again. The power of the grave was destroyed. Jesus rose in victory. That's what we came to celebrate today. We didn't come to celebrate a dead God. We came to celebrate him who had risen. We came to celebrate him who has defeated the power of rejection, the power of betrayal, the power of loneliness. He who has destroyed all of that on the cross and said, now it's a new life. Do you know what I saw in the scriptures? No one could betray him anymore. He couldn't be rejected. And when you reject him, you are rejecting yourself. None of that will hold waters anymore. He's risen. It's beyond comprehension. The word risen means he has gone beyond and is over above all. He's gone beyond and over above all. Jesus had risen from the dead. Let me give us three points as we close tonight. What is the implication of resurrection? Number one, access. I told us about it tonight. Access, the middle wall of partition has been broken. God has turned, the, 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 the veil in the temple has been turned into two. Access to God. Bible says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, that he will do. I will do it because you ask the Father in my name. Number two, we were raised up together with him. Now we're to live resurrected life. Church, we're to live what? Resurrected life. Because Jesus had made the ultimate sacrifice for us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. The Bible says, he has raised us up together with Christ and we have been made to sit in heavenly places. Far above our principalities and powers. And I love number three. We were made righteous. Everyone say made righteous. We were made righteous. We were made righteous. Let me go to four before three. I wrote down here, we are no more bastards. We're now children of God. We're no more what? Bastards. We're now children of God. The Bible tells us in First John chapter 3, Behold, now we are children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But when we shall be, when we shall see him, we shall be as is. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall be as he is. Now we are children of God. What a wonderful opportunity we have. Number four, we were made righteous. I was made righteous. The power of sin is broken over my life and over your life. Now I have an imputed righteousness. As soon as I say, Jesus, come into my be the Lord of my life today. God considers me righteous from that moment on. God gives me the grace and the power to walk in righteousness. The hold of sin is broken at that moment on. The power of a new life has been given to me. The Bible says 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if any man is in Christ Jesus, is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. 2 Peter chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says, according as his divine power has given to us all that pertains to life and godliness. He has given to us all that pertains to life. Godliness. I present to you tonight the reason Jesus. He won his way to the cross. Defeated shame. Defeated shame. Reproach. Every shame in your life tonight is defeated. 
Every shame in your life tonight is defeated. Every shame in your life tonight is defeated. No more shall you be a victim to betrayer. For the Lord himself shall be your confidence. Everywhere you go now, we'll walk in understanding of what Jesus has done for us. No more hold of sin over our lives. No more hold of wickedness. The power of hell, the power of wickedness has been destroyed. Shall we rise together tonight? We're going to pray. Hallelujah to you, Lord Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth is the reason for our gathering tonight. We all understand why religions are born. It's an attempt of man trying to pursue God. Many more religions will be born. In fact, do you know even today, the New Age movement is an attempt to seek God. But in a way, they said, well, you're a God by yourself. Because you're seeking something. But now you have, you have him freely. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. I want us to go before the landlord and say, I thank you tonight. I thank you for the death of Jesus. Jesus, I appreciate the fact that you came for me. You came to pay the price for me. You came just for me. Just for me. Just for me. I want to give you honor tonight. I want to give you glory tonight. I want to bless your name tonight. My Father, oh my God, I give you praise tonight. Thank you, Father, because of what you have done for me. Thank you because on the cross you took the pain you were brought like a lamb to the slaughter. You did not open your mouth. Because you were about to say the greatest sentence in the world. It is finished. For the hold of sin is finished. The power of hell is finished. The penalty of sin, which is death, is destroyed. Now we have victory through you. Lord Jesus, I give you praise tonight. I exhort you tonight, oh God. I bless your name tonight, oh God. I worship your God tonight. Thank you for the power of the resurrection. Oh yes, thank you for the power of resurrection. Thank you for the power of resurrection. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we may become the righteousness of God in him. I want us to just bless the Lord tonight and give him glory and honor. Lord, I bless you. Lord, I exhort you. Lord, I honor your name. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I adore you. Lord, I glorify you. You are beautiful for all situations. Thank you, my Father, tonight for the sacrifice you made for me. Yes, Lord Jesus. He came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My death he paid from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on He came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. 